Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. The other day, I happened to be on the internet reading some news articles, and one of the articles on the side of the page kind of caught my attention. And it was talking about, it said... Of the police officer, when are police officers in the most danger? And the reason why I kind of caught my interest is because my dad was a police officer, so I was just kind of interested about that on, on what they were going to have to say. So as I was getting, you know, clicking on it and thinking, when are police officers at the most risk for harm or injury? I thought of a number of scenarios that it might be. It might be in an active shooter situation where they are the first to respond. It might be an armed robbery or, or something like that. It, it might even be on a traffic stop where they are walking up behind a vehicle and, and they don't know for sure who's in that vehicle. But the most dangerous, those, none of those are the most dangerous situation police officers face. The most dangerous Situations they face when they are most likely to receive injury is being called to a domestic dispute. See the irony of that? We are calling this a safe haven in our homes, and when policemen are called to your homes, they are the most dangerous places that these officers go. Think about that for a moment. I, I think maybe it might make sense why it is. And, and I read the article and it gave a number of reasons. One of them is that when you go to a situation where there's a domestic dispute, you never know what you're going to find. And very often what the, a 911 operator will do is try to keep the person on the line so they know exactly what is going on. They try to get some type of history, some type of context of what is going on. And you don't know if it's a neighbor calling because they heard voices. You don't know if it's uh, an argument. You don't know if it's someone in the home that is calling and, and they're looking for some protection or, or, or some type of safety. You don't know if there's a weapon involved. And so these police officers get on the scene, usually not having a complete story and all the information, and, and they never know what to expect. A second reason why these are very dangerous calls is because when family is involved, the emotions are very high. And, and so when they come into these situations, many people are, are very upset that these are fights that have been going on for a, a long period of time, deep uh, resentments and, and hate towards one another. And for that reason, as they try to get in the middle of that, as they try to separate people and the people go after each other, a lot of times they are caught in the middle. A third reason why that I also found very interesting is this, is that when a police officer comes on the scene of a domestic dispute, what happens sometimes is the two family people who are fighting, even if one of them called 911 and called the police to come, that when the police get involved and when they attempt to make an arrest, and it, and it seems like a, an arrest, someone's going to be put in cuffs, either detained or even arrested and taken to jail, a strange thing happens, and that is even the person who calls 
turns on the police and now gets defensive of a family member and what they have is a common enemy in the police officer. Kind of crazy when you think about it. Now, the reason why I bring this up today is because I am going to be talking about your family. And I'm kind of like a police officer coming into this situation. And so what's probably going to happen at some point in this message is I'm going to strike a nerve. That, that I'm going to say something that, that is kind of anger you and, and it might rally your family in, in being upset with, with me or maybe even being upset with what God says. Well, as you consider that, my encouragement is for you to turn off that inner lawyer, to turn off that, that defensiveness for a moment. Because as we, we talk about family, we might even be, be able to agree that in a perfect world, in a perfect world, that there would be a father and a mother living together in a loving relationship where they could have a healthy relationship with their children. We, we might be able to agree on that, that, that that would be God's plan for the family. But there's another reality, and that is based on the information I have about people who visit Crosswalk, that's not what your families necessarily look like. Which means right now, you, you might be in a situation where you are not talking to a spouse. You, you might have already gone through a divorce. You might be going through a divorce right now. And you're struggling with issues in your relationship and definitely in your relationship with your children. And so as you understand that today and as we look at this message, I'm not even going to be getting into that part of it. I'm not. I'm not going to be attacking that and saying, well, this is what it should be. But rather, look at the first question at the top of the page. And that is, how do I take the family I have and make it the healthiest that it can be? We talked about this, about taking next steps. I just mentioned it. That what is the next step for your relationship with your children? What is the next step with your relationship with your spouse? What is the next step in your relationship with your boyfriend or girlfriend or fiance or, or whatever relationship it is that you have? And so as you listen to these, my, my prayer for you is that you take what God has to say and you begin to grow. You begin to get more and more healthy and begin to take baby steps to improving the health of your family dynamic and making it the safe haven that God would have it be. So that having been said, we go to the lesson. And the first lesson, we're gonna look at two of them. One is from Psalm, the book of Psalms. The other one is from Ephesians 6. But we're gonna start with Psalm 127, verses one to three. And it says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain, you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. And so as you look at this, this first portion, 
that we're going to start with understanding that if your family is like every family I know, it has bumps and bruises and imperfections and, and things that go wrong. Certain relationships were, that, that are under stress. After the first service, it was amazing to me how many people came and talked to me. One, one lady asked me, would you be willing to have a Bible study series on forgiveness? Because after you've mentioned this, I realized that there are some relationships, people I haven't talked to in 10, 15 years because I'm still so upset with them. Other people, as we look at it, it was the same thing that they just looked at their family dynamic and realized that there were problems and they shared with me again what they were going through. And so what I found is that many of you are tired, many of you are trying very hard, but the first fill in, let's fill that in. Many families are working hard at the wrong things. That when you look at the relationship that, that you have in your family, that you are the people that are being described where you're doing this in vain. It's not that you're not working as hard as you can. The problem is you're working hard at the wrong things. And so the old expression, you don't need to work harder, you need to work smarter, comes into play here. And so the, the question that I, I first want you to be able to answer is, what role is Jesus, what role is God playing in my family dynamic? Do I look at my family and, and view Jesus as my spare tire? That when we're broken down and only when we're broken down, I'll open up the trunk and I'll go to him? Or do you think of, of your relationship with God as the steering wheel for your family? That he's the one who guides you. He's the one who takes you where you are going to go. And, and obviously, the psalmist is very clear that if, if you are going to have a strong relationship in family, you are going to be wasting your time and wearing yourself out if God is not driving you because he is the one who is going to take you where you need to go. Now, that having been said, we get to specifics of how he does that. And we're going to go to Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. Ephesians 6, 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In these verses, what you are going to see in a family dynamic is that Paul, as he's writing to the Ephesians, is dividing that family dynamic into two categories. One of them is he's talking to children, specifically to children, and, and, and saying, you know what, a, a very big part of this, going back to the fourth commandment, is obedience. That, that you need to obey your parents. And then to parents, and specifically to fathers, that he talks about how you bring up children in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so, in the blank you can write, God has given a specific commandment to protect the valuable relationship he has given in a family. God has given a specific commandment to protect the valuable relationship he has given in a family. 
So hopefully you recognize these words as the words of the fourth commandment. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. That's the commandment. Now, I don't want to get into a big argument here because Jesus did in his ministry about which commandment is most important. And, and so what Jesus said is, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself, that he wasn't getting caught into that, uh, into that argument of what's more important in God's word. But I would argue that as you look at the Ten Commandments, that if you don't want to say they're given in, in order of importance, I'll go, all right, I'll, I'll, I'm not going to argue that point. But I will say that they build off of each other And I hope you find it interesting that honor your father and mother comes before do not murder. And and as as I look at it, and as you do as well, that, that hopefully that makes you at least pause and say, my goodness, this commandment is definitely as important, and, and the next commandment at least builds on this commandment of how serious God is about this. And Pastor Pouts, I appreciate, with, with the baptism, which, by the way, was beautiful, and, and the words that you spoke stole from my sermon. They, they did, because you, you pointed to the parents and you, you told them that there is this obligation that we have to physically take care of our children and then spiritually. And that spiritual one is the most important, that the biggest victory of a parent is to see your child in heaven. That if you want to know what the win of this is, of, of, of finally as a parent, where you would say, if be considered a successful parent, is that you share Jesus with your children and the Holy Spirit creates faith in their hearts and you see them in heaven. That's what this is about. That is why God protects this relationship and, and kids, understand this. This is what your parents are charged to do by God. What you said is God could have done this himself, but what he did is he gave you the parents who are there to do it for you. We continue. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And let's do the fill-in right away. The first role addressed is that of a child. God encourages children to obey their parents. And we're going to get to the why in a moment, but I think even as you listen to this, as you look at obedience, it's such a big part because obedience comes from trust. And that is why I want every person here just for a moment to not think of yourself as a parent, but I want you to think of yourself as a child. And not a child of your earthly parent, but I want you to think of yourself as a child of God. And when you look at that relationship of of the first commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, to have no other gods, that that what is going to bring that about is is that obedience about is a, a trust relationship where we look at our God and we know that he wants what is best for us. And we only need to look to the cross of Calvary to see that. We look at the life of Jesus Christ. We look at the one who is the substitute, who died in our place, who showed the greatest love. And that is the relationship we have with God. And, and, and so we obey him. 
And so parents, as we look at this, and children, as we understand this obedience, understand what your parents are charged with, and that is bringing you closer to God and keeping you safe. I just put in Acts 5.29 very quickly. We're not gonna spend a lot of time with that. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. We talked about this in our message prep about what about parent, kids who grow up with parents who are t- taking them away from God? What about uh, situations we have where a, a five-year-old is living with parents who are drug abusing and, and the five-year-old's actually being the parent in the house, making food for their younger brother and sister? And, and so as we look at that, we're, the, the scope of this message is not to get into that, but we want to make sure that, that we have this straight. We obey God. And, and then thank him for the gift he gives us in parents. But let's go to the next passage. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So what's going to happen is if my, my parents are, are looking out for my best interests physically and spiritually, I'm, I want to obey them because what they're going to tell me to do is going to benefit me. So in the blank, you can write, God gives us the why of this commandment. God gives us the why of this commandment. When children obey their parents, they are blessed. And so, children, I want you to think about things that your parents tell you. Do you, do you think of things that your parents tell you all of the time that would be helpful things? So an example of this would be, don't run with scissors. Because you don't want to fall down and then you'd stab yourself and that's going to be bad. So right? We know that, right? When my mother gave me the keys to the car whenever I borrowed the car when I was in high school and in college... Every time she gave me the keys, she said the same thing. Don't speed. And I always said, yes, mother. And I got a few speeding tickets, and then she didn't let me use the car anymore. But anyways, think of other things parents might have told you. Wash your hands before you eat. Don't eat eat junk food. Go to bed. Is your homework done? Do your homework first before you go play. All of those things, when you, when you think of it, it it's, the parents are going to tell you things that are going to help you, and, and I hope those are pretty self-evident, pretty obvious. But there were other things my, my parents told me as well. Dan, make sure you go to bed early tonight because we have church tomorrow. Church was always at 8 o'clock. Dan, we're going to be leaving at 7.30 for church. Make sure that you are ready. Times when we were in church, we grew up uh, in a church that had hymnals and pews and all that, and just, why don't you open up right now? Follow along. Make sure you say your prayers before you go to bed. Or maybe even kneeling down to, to next to me, say, how about if we do prayers together? How about if we sing a song, a Christian song, before we go to bed? All of those are ways that as you look at it, parents, understand this. Your children are looking for guidance from you both physically and spiritually. And and the, the goal here is to direct them to Christ. 
that they will be blessed by doing the things we encourage them to do. Okay, so then, so we look at that with the obedience. Now we go to the fathers, specifically fathers. It's, it's all parents, but specifically addressed to fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Now, when you see that word exasperate, it can mean like extremely frustrate. But really, when you look at the word itself, aspirate means to breathe. And ex-aspirate means to go. <sighs> so sometimes I do that to my kids when I tell jokes. And they're really kind of groaners. Fathers, it's okay to do that. Bad jokes, yes. I'm going to say that is something your kids say they don't like them, but we all know they do. <laughs> but... This is, this is something a little bit different. And, and especially I'm now talking to fathers and I'm talking to men here. And what I'm, I'm going to tell you is, is something I've found in my life. And it, is, it was worse when I was younger and I, I hope it's gotten better. And that is, just had really bad anger. And, and it's something that, that I see that just blow up and, and in my anger, say things and do things that I have regretted. That, that the sins we were talking about confessing before, that's what I was thinking about. And, and in those times, the, the exasperating your children are, are times when you say things like, you're stupid, you are an idiot, you are hopeless, you... I don't, I don't know how you can even do that. It's anything where you say where you are putting your, your children or other people and, and, and their mother, for that matter, as well, in situations where you are just knocking them over and running them over. In the blank, you can write, don't exasperate, don't lead them to hopeless places. When you are doing that, when you do that, you are doing the exact opposite of what this commandment is all about. And I left a little room there, guys, for you to think about over the next week, about times when you have done this. And if you can't think of any, ask your wife or family members, and I'm sure they can help you, uh, come up with ways that you exasperate them, that, that you frustrate them, the, the things where you bring them to hopeless situations. But what, are, what does God call us to do? But instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. In the next blank, you can write, do train and instruct. Do lead to hope-filled places. Do lead to hope-filled places. And I hope when, when that happens, children begin to see their fathers and their mothers for that matter as individuals when there are difficulties in, in life, they don't run from them, they run to them. And the reason why they run to you is because they know that in you is Christ and in Christ is hope. And, and so you are going to be able to offer them forgiveness you are going to be able to tell them, you know what, this, this might be a bad situation or what you did is a problem, but you know what, you are loved and forgiven by God 
and we can move forward from here and we will move forward together. Underneath that, when you think of bringing someone up in the training and instruction of the Lord, number one, be consistent. Parents, especially fathers, be consistent. Sometimes it can be so hot and cold that that they never know what they're going to get. And in that lack of consistency, it it does, it breeds fear and, and a hesitancy to come to you. Next is be forgiving. Lead your children to the cross. Take them there. Let them know that Jesus loves them, Jesus has forgiven them, and so have you. The next is be encouraging. When they think they can't do something, when when they don't know how they're going to go forward, maybe even you don't see the way through this. As they get older and older and their difficulties get more and more serious, Give them courage and that courage that is going to come from the relationship with God who can do anything. Fourth one is as important as any. Model the behavior you want to see. So that they, in you, they see what, what they can aspire to be. Just going to warn you, if I found this, as my kids have gotten older, and they're just about between like 19 and 27 years old, they have gotten to an age where evidently making fun of dad is something that is in fashion. And, and so it's my expressions, the things that I do, all of it, that they have very good memories and they can model it. Uh, but when, when I laugh is when they act like me without trying. And, and, they, and I realize they have the curse of, of those things that they said, I'm never going to do that. Then they start doing it uh, and they can't help it. Well, I think that's part of what we're talking with the, you know, it's the power of modeling. It really is, of being able to see it day after day and, and to be those things, to model a relationship with God, going to him and his word, spending time with that word, being able to confess your sin and ask for forgiveness, being able to show love, that they see it and model it. And then finally, lead your kids to Jesus. That's the win. We looked at it as the baptism as well. That's what we're doing. We want to bring the gospel and our children together. And, and that happens whether it be in baptism, whether it be happen as we do home devotions, whether we're praying with our children, whatever it is, as we're continuing to share Jesus with them, that we don't want to waste those opportunities because that is the most important thing that we will do. The final verse I have there is from Psalm 133, verses 1 and 3. And it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And and as we look at this is the unity, I think down deep, that is what we want in our families. That when we think about having a safe family and a safe haven in our family, this idea of being unified and, and being together, and I'm telling you, that's a moving target. It just is. That as you go through life, things happen all of the time. Because we do have sin in us and because it shows itself in in a daily way, in in so many different ways, 
that it is going to need constant attention. This isn't something where you arrive and then you don't have to worry about it ever again. But it's something, the work of a family is something that that happens day after day with confession and forgiveness and and leading people back to Jesus. I don't know where your family is and I don't know what the next step is for you. But if you are a father who is newer to the faith, and, or maybe even that you're not quite there yet, I want to give you a special invitation to two classes in particular. And each of them is a one-day thing, so it's not over a long period of time. But one of them is September 22nd, so it's coming up in about a month, and it's Christian Essentials 1, which is also called a 101 class. And this one is about connections and understanding your connection to God and understanding your connection to, to, to crosswalk into the, to the Christian church. That is a one-day, four-hour class on a Saturday. I know it's difficult, but I encourage you to come. I will be there uh, with Pastor Jeff and, and Phil, and we're gonna, we're gonna teach that about how you can begin this journey. And then in November, we're gonna have a second class. It's called Christian Essentials Two. And what that is, is a way that you can learn basic ways of reading your Bible, being able to go into God's word and, and just have the tools so that you can go do a reading plan that fits you. You can begin to understand more and more God's love for you and grow in that understanding. That's my invitation to you, parents, especially fathers and kids, is, is if you want your homes to be continue to be safe havens make jesus part of them let's pray dear lord god we thank you for all that you have done for us in jesus christ and we thank you that first and foremost you are a safe haven for us that we can go to you at all times lord you are an almighty or all powerful god who cares about us, and, and for that we thank you. We thank you that you have dealt with our worst problems by sending Jesus into this world and, and by forgiving us. And now, Lord, we ask that you would help us, whether we are a parent or a child, whatever role we have in a family, that you would help us to obey you, show that obedience, to enjoy your love and forgiveness, and make our home be the safest haven that it can be. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Weak made strong in the Savior's love. And when I hear those words, it it makes me think of a Christian author who wrote, God loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay that way. And, And our families are the same way. God loves us just the way they are, and he loves us too much to let us stay that way. And that is why he takes those weak relationships and he makes them strong through his love. And that is my prayer for you as you you leave here today is, is to take Christ with you into your home. And now as you go, go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.